Welcome to the Inspiration Rising podcast. I'm your host, David Trotter, and I'm back with more incredible interviews to help you rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals in life and business. Hey, if you've been following my journey on social media, which if we're not connected, I'd love to be able to follow you back. You can find me on Instagram at inspo rising, I-N-S-P-O-R-I-S-I-N-G, or J. David Trotter. Both those links are in the show notes as well. Of course, we can connect the old-fashioned way on Facebook if you prefer. But hey, if you've been following my journey, you know that I have been hosting several events at Behind the Lids. It's a breathwork and meditation studio right here in Costa Mesa, California. Pretty cool name, right? Behind the Lids. Did you get that? Behind the eyelids? That's where everything's going on. Now, I helped Behind the Lids start a podcast featuring facilitators who lead at the studio, people that are leading breath work and meditation and manifestation and yoga and all the good things. And I'm excited that I have received the go-ahead to start sharing some of those conversations here as well. So you can find these interviews on the Behind the Lids podcast and here on Inspiration Rising. And of course, I'll toss in some exclusive interviews here as well. Well, today, I am honored to share my conversation with Nicole Farrow. She's the founder of Embodied Breathwork Training, as well as a trauma-informed registered yoga teacher and educator. She's also a certified womb medicine woman, psychosomatic trauma recovery coach, certified holistic health and spiritual coach, Reiki master, and women's embodiment mentor. Woo! She got a lot going on, and she is an incredible woman who is impacting many, many lives. Now, in today's episode, Nicole shares the story of how she became interested in yoga, breathwork, and spirituality, as well as how breathwork can help us navigate daily stresses and life's traumas. Now, if you're interested in adding breathwork to your coaching business or simply want to take your breathwork practice more seriously, you'll love our conversation about her breathwork facilitator training uh, in Southern California, and I think they even have one coming up in Hawaii. So let's jump into my conversation with Nicole Farrow. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for taking some time to hang with us today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So for people that don't know you and your background, I would love to hear about how you became interested in yoga and breathwork and spirituality. So kind of take us back into your life and give us a little bit of history on how you got involved in these things. It started uh, about 11, maybe 12 years ago, um, really just with yoga. Yoga was definitely the catalyst that opened the doorway for all things spiritual. Um, Yoga saved my life in many ways. You know, I was on a path that uh, wasn't really great for myself. And when I found yoga, it was like the discipline that I really needed to like get myself on the path that I desired. And um, it was where I finally felt like home, like, oh, this is, this is what it feels like to be at peace with yourself. Mm. And so that kind of opened the door um, into all the other things that I love. And, and one of the things that it really opened the door for me for was breathwork. And primarily, it started with um, I had really bad asthma. And so both yoga and breathwork really helped to heal um, my lungs and my asthma and the trauma that was in my lungs. Um, so that's kind of a short version of where it started. And I've always been, since a little girl, 
um, very spiritual. Like there was just always this knowing of like something bigger than what we see right here. And again, yoga and breath work allowed that to be more tangible, allowed that for me to go, oh, this is this is what the divine feels like. This is what unconditional love feels like. This is what connection to life, to, to our aliveness feels like. Um, and so from there, the journey just continued to expand. I just kept, you know, dipping my feet into different spirituality um, practices and exploring and really allowing life to happen rather than controlling it. And that was a breathwork and yoga was a really big part of that. Mm. You said that yoga kind of saved your life in a way. What, what were, you know, we all have different seasons of life where we turn to these different experiences or modalities to help us. You don't have to go too much in depth, whatever you feel comfortable with, but like what was calling, you know, what was the, the challenge you were walking through? What did you feel like that did for you? You said it was the discipline of yoga that helped you. Before yoga, I was just very lost. Um, I honestly had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I was bartending. I was partying a lot. Like I was surrounded by, you know, friends at the time that also didn't have much um, drive. And it was just like party and drugs and alcohol and um, just a lot of, for me, depression and thinking that it was normal to like feel sad and depressed all the time. And it's like, this is just how we're supposed to be. And, um, and so when I started to do yoga and like consciously breathe or consciously move my body or draw my attention inward, I was able to like discover my essence, like the truth of who I am as a person and who we all are. So in that sense, it saved me from going down a path of like bartending, continuing to um, do drugs and alcohol, continuing to have relationships that were really inauthentic, that were um, not safe at all, just toxic relationships. And so yoga helped me to slowly, it didn't happen like that, you know, it's like, oh, one night and here I am. But it was like a slow, gradual, like, okay, yeah, this doesn't work for me anymore. And like slowly letting these parts of myself that no longer were me go. Um, And it was the only thing in my life that I was like, as far as discipline goes, it was the only thing that I was like, I want to get up early and get to my yoga mat and breathe and move my body. Like nothing else before Mm -hmm. that was like, I want to go here and do this for myself. And so from that place, I realized, oh, I have so many more passions. I have so many more things that I love to do that I do want to be disciplined for. But yoga taught me that disciplinary practice in order to find freedom in my life. Mm -hmm. I saw on your Instagram recently, I think when you were back in the uh, Northeast, you had a picture of a particular woman that maybe introduced you to yoga. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about her and that experience with her. Yeah, that was... um, uh, Roberta, she was my very, very first yoga teacher in New York, um, where I started, where I used to live. Um, and I went to her, it was a hot yoga class. And I just remember being in awe of her, like just the way she compassionately held the room, the way she guided everyone, the way she knew everyone, uh, so deeply and like loved everyone that showed up in her class. It was her actual studio. And, um, she was just always so invested 
with the practice and it really taught me more about what the practice was like it's not just physical it's not just asana and she's the one that opened the door for me to see like all these the multi-dimensional aspects of yoga and that's when I was like ooh I want more <laughs> and she's the one that encouraged me to go do my first yoga training which also was in New York um was a 200 hour training and the moment, the, the day that I graduated, usually you wait a little bit, you know, but the day that I graduated, she calls me and she's like, so you want to teach your first yoga class at 12 p.m. on Thursday? And I was like, oh, sure. And obviously just completely nervous. And I was like, oh, it's just a 12 p.m. yoga class. Maybe five people will be there, you know, like afternoon but no, this yoga class, there was like 25 people. My very first one, nice. she was in the class who made me so nervous to have oh, her man. there. Yeah. Um, but I did it. And it was in that moment, I was so nervous. Like I felt like I could throw up the whole time. But at the same time, I felt like this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Mm. And so if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have got got uh, my training done i would have i wouldn't have continued my practice um she's somebody that i still continuously look up to um just for her her dedication and commit commitment she's been doing yoga for like 35 years or something like that so it's mm -hmm. like it just shows you that for me yoga never gets boring because every time you show up to the mat you're exploring a new version of yourself mm, i love how you described roberta and now I think there are many people around the behind the lid studio that would re, uh, refer to you in a similar way, right? That you are that <laughs> yeah. invested in that loving and that present for people that are in your classes. Um, talk to me now about what motivated you for this to become your life's work, because there's a big difference between taking yoga even mm -hmm. getting certified as a you know you know yoga instructor and then really making it your entire life's work what was that process like how did that unfold for you it was a long process i i knew that yoga was going to be in my life in some capacity and it was kind of like for me there was no other option like it, it truly felt like there's there's nothing else i want to do like nothing else fills my soul nothing else brings my heart so much joy. Nothing else seems even interesting. <laughs> like I just, I loved the study of the philosophical texts of yoga, not just the asana and the pranayama and the breath work, but obviously building your, your business and really knowing what kind of teacher you want to be just took time and practice and was really me showing up constantly. Even when I didn't want to just, just showing up, even when I felt unworthy or not good enough still showing up even in that even like in the i'm not worthy of being a yoga teacher i'm not worthy of being a breathwork facilitator i'm not worthy of being a leader there was still always this other part of me that knew that i was worthy of it and so i would unconsciously what it felt if, if i reflect back i was like unconsciously listening to this other voice that was in the background like no, you, you have to do this. This is your, your dharma. This is your soul's path. This is why you're here. And so it took a lot of meeting my shadows, a lot of, you know, meeting the dragons in my basement, a lot of um, deep, 
deep spiritual work for myself to to find my worth, to connect to my true essence, to um, move past all the outdated and old belief systems that were not even mine, that were just like really um, mirrored to me by my surroundings and my, you know, family and culture and friends. And so it was like a constant, just like, no, that's not mine. No, that's not mine. And just like pushing these beliefs and ideas away um, over and over and over again until, yeah, one day you're just like, even in my moments of feeling, I don't know enough. There is again, still that part of me that goes, but you know what you need to know right now. And that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. And so I try to, I try to just lead my life in all capacities from that place. Mm-hmm. It seems like that as I work with and coach um, people that are in healing modalities, that's one of the key lies that people believe is I don't mm-hmm. know enough. And it yeah. leads to, um, like certification, uh, you know, obsession, you know, it's like, how many totally. certifications can I get? And then I'll be good enough if I can just get this one more, you know, I mean, certifications totally. are great. Training is amazing. You, you and I both love that. Right. But, um, mm-hmm. but it does become, you know, like, okay, you got enough. You're good. You're good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that sense of not being enough, um, it's so deep in the, in, in the human conscious collective, like it's so big. And so what I tell my clients that I work with one-on-one is we need more people to show up as leaders connected to their essence, knowing their inner gold and like living from that place of like, I am worthy. I think what happens is people think if I come across as worthy, I'm cocky or overly confident or you know what I mean? But it's like, no, you can be in your worth and still have humility. Mm -hmm. And imagine if we had so many people in the world, if not everyone living from their essence and their worth, we would be in, we would live in a, in a society with so much more harmony, so much more love, so much more truth and like seeing each other's light and letting each other's light actually shine bright. Mm -hmm. That is the beautiful thing that I know, uh, has happened and continues to happen in my life is that as I embrace more of my um, self-worth and I think mm-hmm. you said inner gold. Um, mm-hmm. I love that. I thought you said inner goal at first. I was like, no, no, no. She said inner gold. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the more I embrace that about myself, the more I naturally see that in others, right? Because I see my worth and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're worth so much. You're so valuable. Yes. And then mm-hmm. that means then there's more empathy, more love, more, um, compassion, more connection, all of that. So it's just, yeah. yeah, so helpful. All right. So we've talked a lot about your journey with yoga, but breath work has become such a, I guess, well, it seems like, um, more of an emphasis in your work these days than even yoga in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. talk to me about breath work. If somebody they've been listening, they go, I don't even, I know breath work's become more popular these days. Um, maybe they've heard of Wim Hof, you know, that's a huge, big name out there these days in mm-hmm. the breathwork world. Um, what is breathwork? And maybe just take us through a little bit of background, educate us a little bit on breathwork and how it can be helpful yeah. for us. Um, I'm just fascinated with breathwork. I just want to start off and saying, and I've always been fascinated with it from the yoga practice. Um, and I knew that there was more 
to our breath than what we were being told. And something that I always say is our breath is our superpower as a human. So it's like, if you ever wanted a superpower, you have it, it's there inside of you, just breathe. Mm -hmm. Um, Our breath is an opportunity to impact and influence our mental, our physical, our emotional, spiritual state in a very powerful and healing way. And it does that by bringing us into what we can call our functional zone. So we live in a society that's out of our functional zone. Like we're very much in our sympathetic nervous system only, which is like, go, 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 go. And constantly on high alert, um, which is causing a lot of anxiety and disharmony. And so to be in our functional zone is to actually be oscillating in a, a complete tender balance of parasympathetic and sympathetic of having all three um, of our, of our main brain systems turned on. So like having our, our neocortex, our analytical and conceptual brain, um, our, mammal, our mammalian brain, which is our, our way to process emotions and connect with each other. And then our limbic system, which is our instinctual um, survival brain. And when we have all three of those on, like on the on zone in our functional zone, then we're living life in harmony. And so what if we bring in breathwork, breathwork practices of all different kinds, because there's an infinite amount of them. If we can choose one to five or however many, when we're out of balance, the breath brings us back into that functional zone. The breath brings us into a state of pure harmony. The breath allows all of our brain systems to be turned on so that we're fully aware of ourself. So um, breath awareness is self-awareness. Breath control is self-control. And our breath can change our state of being in any moment at any time. Again, that's why it's our superpower. You know, it's the only part of our system that we have absolutely no control of and 100% complete control of. So magical and profound to think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Give us an example of maybe one or two breathwork techniques if somebody isn't familiar with them. Just there are obviously some very popular ones, but give us a couple just that maybe even somebody could use in the midst of their stress today. Totally. Um, a really good easy breath that's used even in like military and all, anyone in 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 the light of service like um, police officers and firefighters is square breathing or box breathing. Um, it's a very simple technique that's very grounding and it's it's very simple. you you inhale for a count of four and you hold at the top for a count of four, you exhale for a count of four and you hold at the bottom for a count of four. So you're creating this square like rhythm with your breath. Um, and so with, with the control of, you know, the inhale, the retention, the exhale, the retention that quiets the mind, brings the mind back to center. Um, and then the retentions itself help to help to ground us in back into what's happening now rather than the stories that are happening in our mind. It also starts to slow our heart rate down and starts to stimulate that parasympathetic state that I was speaking to earlier of, of just finding that um, system of rest and digest. Can you do just do it with us for just maybe a couple rounds real quick? Yeah, sure. How about we go through three rounds? Of sure, it? that's great. Go for it. All right, beautiful. 
So we'll just relax the body for a moment, sink down, let the eyes close. And just softening any tension in the jaw and the shoulder. Letting the spine grow a little bit taller, finding this balance of effort and ease. In yoga, we call it stira and sukha. And I'm just going to have you take one breath in through the nose, one breath out of the nose. And we'll begin. Inhale, one, two, three, four. Hold, one, two, three, four. Exhale, four, three, two, one. Hold, four, three, two, one. Inhale, one, two, three, four. Hold, one, two, three, four. Exhale, four, three, two, one, hold, four, three, two, one, inhale, one, two, three, four, hold, one, two, three, four, exhale, four, three, two, one, hold, four, three, two, one. Deep breath in. Letting out a sigh. Yeah, thank you so much. That's a great. So box breathing can be a great technique, no matter what we're going through, if we're in a stressful moment of life. Um, Yes. So I know one of the things that you really focus on when it comes to breath work is not only navigating both daily stresses, which all of us are, you know, walking through, but also helping navigate, unpack, deal with, heal life's traumas. Mm. And I know, you know, it's popular to refer to these traumas these days as kind of small T and big T traumas, um, Mm -hmm. especially because some of us think I've gone through much. I'm I'm good, you know, and yet so much of life can be um, traumatic. How can breath work? Because you said that breath work helps us, um, I don't know if I'm going to get the right, but basically mind, body, and spirit, all the different layers mm-hmm. of our being um, come back into a state of peace and balance. How can it actually help us navigate really painful experiences? Not just, mm-hmm. I, I assume it can help us navigate those in the moment, but also let's just say I've had a painful experience a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. How can it help me navigate that? Yeah, it's a really good question. So what happens with with trauma, if if it was not processed very shortly after the event happened, it stays in our nervous system. And it's it's called implicit memory, where the psyche might not even, the psyche might say, oh, I'm over this, or uh, might not even want to go there or think about it. But it's held, the, the, the memory of it is held in our nervous system as implicit memory. And so Real quick, real quick. If you were to, if you were to give me some examples of traumas, like we, we all know like big traumas, abuse, right? Violence. Those things are obviously super traumatic. What are other traumas that, that we might not be thinking of that you're going, yeah, that, that's still stuck in your body. If you didn't process that, like, give me some examples. Yeah. Uh, So obviously big T trauma is going to be like, you know, a, a car accident, some kind of like 
physical thing that has happened to your your body um it can be you know uh any kind of assault in any way and then small t trauma it begins to add up small t trauma is neglect as a child um emotional neglect physical neglect um being um bullied in school or even by your parents um even not being able not having the caretakers to support you when you're having a big emotion that's happening as a child like we don't know how to process those yet and so if our caretakers aren't teaching us how to do that or they're shaming us for doing that and of course the caretakers it's, it's unconscious they don't know um but let's just say you get punished for being sad or having a temper tantrum and you're asked to go to your room. That is a form of trauma. It's a form of emotional neglect. And so now you might live, go through your life feeling really afraid of sharing your sadness or really afraid and repressing your, your anger. And what happens is that that stuff gets depressed in your system, which ultimately, if you think of the word depression, it is to depress something. And so when we depress all of our emotions, then that's, again, getting Im implicit memory. It's, it's, it's like massaged into our nervous system. And now our nervous system is reacting to the world through experiencing intelligence. So we're not using our analytical brain. We're just reacting because our nervous system is on constant alert because it doesn't feel safe. Okay. So really lack of safety. Um, is a really, is a, a big part of trauma. Okay. And that's not just physical safety, but emotional safety, I would assume. Emotional Relational safety. Relational yeah. safety, yeah. All, all the different layers of safety. Okay. So back to your, you said now it's implicit. What was the language you were using? You said it was implicit in our nervous system? Implicit, implicit memory. Implicit memory. Okay. Yeah. So it's stored in our nervous system. It's stored in the tissues of our body. Um, it's, it's there, even though we don't know it's there. Um, it's the it's the cause of diseases. It's the cause of illnesses if we don't process it out. Um, it's what we're looking for is psychological safety through um, reoperating our nervous system. And so, how do we do that? We do that through breathwork practices that are a little bit more intense than let's say box breathing. So this style of breathing is going to really get deep into your psyche beyond your thinking mind. It's going to actually access that mammalian brain, the amygdala, where you're stored all of your emotions and then also into your hippocampus where you store your memories. And so you get to process all of that out of your system through say um, a breath called circular breaths or three-part breath, where this is done very intentionally to um, meet the parts of yourself that maybe you haven't been able to meet yet or that you've repressed or neglected in your own self. And of course, doing this style of breathwork is going to be done best with a professional who knows how to hold space for when big things arise in that, in that space. Because again, it's going to come back to feeling really safe in order to process through that. Mm -hmm. And so as someone is breathing through one of these breathing techniques, um, you're saying that are, are, are you, the people that you work with individually or in class sessions, yeah. um, are you saying that you're prompting them to explore these things and then they come up 
Or do they just naturally come up as they're breathing intensely? Or is it more like, hey, I'm open to this. I'm seeking healing because I'm already aware of this. Help me understand this. Yeah. Most people come to, to do this style of breath work because they're seeking healing or they're seeking some sort of experience that is different than what they're experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as what will come up, that depends on the facilitator. So for me as a facilitator, um, I, I do like to weave in some sort of intention for the session. But it's not necessary because the body and the breath is so intelligent beyond our analytical thinking mind that whatever is meant to arise in that moment and whatever the psyche is ready to process and the body is ready to process will naturally arise. And so there doesn't necessarily need to be an intention or a theme that is prompted um, because it's really going to be each person's individual experience and what they're ready for. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. I was in a breathwork session, um, the other day, one-on-one with someone leading me. And Mm -hmm. I oftentimes will see words for people. Like Mm -hmm. I'll be connecting with people and then just bam, a word will literally appear on top of them. I'll see it in my Mm -hmm. mind's eye. And I know, oh my gosh, I've got a message for them. And I don't oftentimes have those words for me. And it in the session, it just was mm. so big right in front of me. This word was insecurity. And so one of the things that I've been walking through in my own life, um, cultivating my own self-worth is, you know, some insecurities that I have. And so mm-hmm. I saw it so intensely in front of me. I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't exactly. asking for it. It just boom, right in front of me. And I felt a pretty aggressive, um, well, I, I, I felt a, a hatred for it, you know, like a mm. hatred for this insecurity in my own life. And just like, oh, I just want this out of my life, you know? And I said some pretty intense things to it to, you know, mm. make it to go away. And I felt myself mm-hmm. kept saying it over and over again you know, go away, go away with some colorful language that just kind of came <laughs> just because I was so intense about it, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I saw it begin to just get smaller and smaller and smaller and like floating away from me. And mm. I, um, the facilitator at the moment happened to be playing a large gong, um, mm. kind of loudly. And I, and I actually asked him, I said, Hey, uh, will you play that again? And because I just needed it to be like gone. It just felt like. Yes. And I um, saw the words be gone. Um, and I kept saying, be gone, be gone, be gone. And then I like there was a play on words even in my head, like be gone, be gone, be gone, be gone, be gone. It was weird. Um, and mm. it's not like I was looking for that. You know what I mean? Totally. It's, mm-hmm. it's exactly what you said. It's just like the body knows, the mind knows what it needs mm-hmm. to release in those moments. So it's just mm. super powerful, super powerful. Mm. And you do this one-on-one um, and in group settings. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, I first just want to thank you for sharing that story um, because it brings to, to life what can happen. And, and one thing I want to speak to is w- when we're doing these, you know, breath, breath is medicine. It is our medicine. And so it can actually help us to see our blind spots. It helps us to see what we cannot see in the day-to-day. 
because it's shutting down again, that thinking mind. And it's going, here's the truth. Here's what's real for you. Here's what you can heal. Here's what you can integrate. Here's what you can step into. Mm -hmm. Right. And it takes so much courage to do that. Um, and so for everyone practicing breathwork, like I also want to just commend them for, for doing the big work and for having the courage to do that. Um, so yes, I work one-on-one, um, with sessions, um, primarily when I'm working one-on-one, I do, I focus on a rebirthing style breath where we, uh, work together for a four month period. And then we complete our session, um, by going through a rebirthing process and we use our breath to kind of take us there. Um, and then I lead group sessions. Um, and again, sometimes I weave in intentions or I will leave it up to them to find an intention that they need. And those, um, I lead it behind the lids and, um, some other places in, in around the world. And, um, I love it. I love being able to hold space in, in large capacities with a bunch of people when you're, when you have the collective breathing together with their own individual intention, it supercharges that individual intentions because they're, they're moving through the process on their own yet feeling so supported by everyone else in the room. So it's really, really potent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You also um, have developed your own training methodology and program called embodied breathwork facilitator training for people who are wanting to become facilitators themselves. Or I, what I find most of the time is people that are, they're already yoga instructors, they're life coaches, they're executive coaches, they're into some sort of modalities and they're going, Oh, I want to add breathwork to that to expand their coaching business. Or maybe they just want to get really serious about what their breathwork practice. But what is this facilitator training? Maybe just describe what it is. And maybe how it's different from other training that's available as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've in, I envisioned myself uh, developing some sort of breathwork training for years. So it's been like in the works, kind of like in that void space for a long time until I finally grabbed it. And I said, okay, we're turning this into, into something. Uh, we're bringing this into this 3D dimension. Um, and my vision in creating it was to teach people about various style breathwork practices because not one fits all. It's the same as any practice you do. And so for me, I wanted to develop a breathwork training, facilitator training, where you understood all the benefits of the breath, the the physical aspects of the breath, the anatomy of the breath, the neuroscience of the breath, and then have an array of different practices that you could offer your students, that you can offer your clients, your patients, your loved ones. And so you learn how to, in the training, meet people where they're at. And so you get to say, oh, you know, if if you're feeling this, if you're feeling lethargic or you're feeling, you know, depressed or a lack of energy, this breathwork practice is going to be really good for you. Or if you're feeling really anxious or really high strung, this breathwork practice is going to be good for you. So I want facilitators to be fully equipped to meet their people where they're at, because that is an embodied facilitator. It's not saying you should do this and this is the only way. It's saying, here are some practices that I have that could work for you. And why don't we try these on together? And so it's in the facilitator training, you're not only learning 
10 different breathwork practices, which eight are a little bit more old school, more ancient, if you will. And two are more of the more modern style, um, those kind of more intense practices. So you get to offer this to group settings, individual settings, but you also learn what it means to be a facilitator, what it means to hold space in the capacity to serve others and to, uh, without any judgment, right? To serve others for whatever is going to arise for them and to be fully prepared for that. So the training is done through a trauma-informed lens because let's face it, we are all traumatized in some way. And so why not be educated in the realm of trauma while guiding people through these really big breathwork practices that are going to bring traumatic experiences up? Um, and so... Yeah, that I think that this training is unique. Again, most trainings you're learning like one breathwork practice. This one you're learning 10 different ones. You're learning how to be a space holder. You're learning shadow work. You're doing a bit of inner child work. You're um you're learning about the nervous system. You're learning about how the brain works. So it's it's a full on um all-encompassing, really comprehensive, rich training. And I'm actually really, really proud of the way that it's it's starting to come together and continuing to evolve. Love that. I know Behind the Lids offers that um, for several times uh, during the year over the course of two different yeah. weekends, or also I think there are some retreats that are being planned coming up. So people can yeah. find out about those dates at behindthelids.com for the most uh, upcoming dates uh, that uh, yes. might might be of interest. Um if there was something that you wanted to leave listeners with today, maybe just a, a, a moment of encouragement based on all the things that we've talked about, what would you want to share with them? To come back to our humanness, to live in compatibility with your humanness, to remember that we're not machines and that our beautiful human body and our breath is so profoundly powerful and all we truly need and so cliche, but so true really is within. And to remember to come back again to your essence, to claim, to reclaim actually your inner gold, because we need more people stepping up in this world with wide open hearts, with calm nervous systems and with, with a healed mind, body, and soul. And when we are all in that place, we can all be in alignment with our dharma, with our soul's truth. And so my, my vision, I hold the vision for all of us to step onto the path that truly lights us up and expands our hearts to receive more and more and to give more and more love. Mm, thank you so much. Be a human. Remember who you are, not a machine. Yeah, <laughs> yes. so good. So good. <laughs> Well, if people want to join you in an upcoming class, um, which you teach several each week at Behind the Lids, both breathwork and now even a yoga class, they can go to behindthelids.com slash calendar. And then if people want to find you, your website, your Instagram and connect with you, maybe for some individual work, what would be the best place for them to connect with you? Yeah. So um, my website is just my name, NicoleAnnFarrow.com. So uh, Nicole with an H and I see H O L E A N N E F E R R O dot com. My Instagram is Nicole and underscore Pharaoh. 
And you'll find all of my services on both of those platforms. And you're always welcome to message me privately. And I, I would love to have a conversation with, with anyone who, who desires to go deeper into this work. Of course. And of course, we'll uh, put those links in the show notes. So you can <laughs> scroll up on your phone and see those now. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I hope that um, if you're listening today and this has been uh, informative or encouraging in any way, please share this episode with a friend so that people can learn more about breathwork and more about what Nicole's doing. So thank you so much, Nicole. Really appreciate you taking the time mm. to connect. Yeah. Thank you, David. It's been so lovely to chat with you and I look forward to talking and seeing you soon. Have a beautiful day. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Nicole today. And if you would like to share it with a friend, go ahead and pick up your phone, take a screenshot and text it to them and tell them to check out Inspiration Rising on their favorite podcast app. If they don't know what a podcast is, tell them, hey, get with it, man. Check out Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music or Spotify and search Inspiration Rising. It's free and it's a great way to stay inspired and encouraged in your life. Hey, if I can help you in any way in your life or business, check out insporising.com. That's I-N-S-P-O-R-I-S-I-N-G.com. I'd love to be able to encourage you with books, speaking, podcasts, and coaching, however I can be of encouragement in your life. All right, until next time, hey, stay inspired.